0: Hello, everyone, and welcome to a new episode of Prey versus Predator. My name is Jill, and together with PJ and Amber, we are going to discuss a pretty popular question we hear quite often, and that is, if it was so bad, why didn't you just leave?
1: Mm. Uh, PJ, what's the first thing that comes to your mind when you hear people say that? Great question, actually. The First thing that comes to
2: my mind would be, it's complex. These things are complex, and... It's hard to leave relationships um that are that hold a, a great deal of your history and your life. What about you, Jill? Yeah, I, I think
0: I would agree. Like really I can only speak for myself, but uh my personality type, I don't lose.
1: Mm-hmm. And
0: for me to leave a relationship would be uh for me to say that I lost it and I was just so determined. <laughs>
1: Okay, so let's flesh out these conversations. Uh, PJ, when you say it's complex, can you explain further for our listeners? I think there's complexity
2: at a number of levels. I think if it's in sort of a cohabitating, like a marriage or or common law type of relationship, then you have the obvious complexities of uh, you have your financial situation to think of, you have... Your, um, where you live to think of. You have your, um, your social world to think of. So when you break up with somebody, like with any type of situation, any breakup, any breakup in in that type of situation, even without children, you've, you've got, you've got sort of your, your world imploding, so to speak. Um, and a lot of times, especially for women, tend to be in situations, Um, where children are involved where they haven't been they've they've poured everything that they can into the their their sort of male partner's life and career and or at least more than they have to their own thinking that they're doing it for for them them as a couple and then if the split happens you know they're going to walk away with maybe no education or less education less um less power, less financial resources so you know the the sad reality is that a lot of women who leave these situations end up with far less than the than the male counterparts. Um, did you feel that in your relationship? Oh my word like yes the uh, um in my situation I I supported my partner to go through, uh seven years of higher education and literally worked sixty hours a week to make it happen um, and then supported paying off um, huge student loans um, through an investment I had made when I was younger um, and all for the idea that you know, his career was our career um his relation, you know, like uh what what where he succeeded, we succeeded. Um, and so to walk away from, essentially handing somebody something that you built together, but they get to keep and you get nothing. Um, it's really painful.
1: And um, did he recognize that? Zero. Well,
2: okay. Oh, no, no. There was just rage attached to the idea that I might get a portion of, say, a pension or something like that. There was just like, you know, no, like zero. Um, I think the other complexities I'm thinking when you deal with kids are, you, you deal with, you're going to, you know, if you have younger children, um, and for me, I think this probably is one of the things that held me in the longest, was if I leave, this person is going to make not just the rest of my life miserable, um, but they will have access, unfettered access to the children when I'm not there to buffer what's going to happen. So you can
0: control your kids' experience more by staying.
2: Yeah to, yeah to 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 just yes. minim, minimize the damage. So if I'm there, yeah. I can at very least say when enough is enough, I can at least, you know, um, be there to 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 see what's going on and and navigate um, buffer. And I think the other complexity here is the social complexity, which I also felt um, which is it's really hard to say why you need to get out. Because it's really hard to find the language. So if I told my partner, you know, hey, I'm I'm really hurt by something you said, and my partner said, well, I'm hurt by something you said. That doesn't sound too bad to anybody, you know. If I told if I told my friend, um, I said I told my partner I was hurt by something and he punched me in the face and left this bruise. Um, everyone would help me. Mm. Like almost nobody wouldn't help me.
1: Well, you can walk around going, look at my black eye.
2: Yeah. And there's a the police would come, your friends would help, you got to get out of there. But I say, hey, I just told my partner that I need support in this area. And they told me, well, I need support in this area. But, um, you know, it's, it's hard to explain what gaslighting is, it's hard to explain what um, this kind of. Uh, you're never allowed to be right, you're never allowed to be the victim, you're never allowed to be hurt.
1: Is that gaslighting that that thing that you just said? Because even in my situation with the parent who is a predator, it would often come down to that where I would say I that hurt me and it was like, "Well, you've done it before." So I just want to go to terminology, what term is that again? I mean, we call it the 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 predator
2: predator um victim reversal, PVR. Okay. So it's where you, the the predator is the one hurting you, and then you call them on it, and they flip it, and they make you the predator,
1: and they make themselves the victim. So another example of such a technique. That yeah, we keep so there's discussing.
2: The, and you know um, there's a book, uh, "People of the Lie," um, written by M. Scott Peck, I believe, mm-hmm, yeah. and and he talks about how it's it's under it's these behaviors are always kind of just right under the wire for abuse. Um, And it's not that they're so horrific in anything that they do, but they're consistent and persistent. It's like water torture. Yes, drip. Yes, Yes. and 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 somebody, you know, telling somebody like, "Well, what did they do to you?" Well, they dripped. They they dripped water on my head. Mm -hmm. Who cares? But but actually, enough times, you're you're tortured, Mm -hmm. and so being able to get communal support for leaving in. Even if you're able to kind of have your own understanding that you need to get out because your own, you know, your body might, you might start having health conditions. You might start noticing that you are eating or drinking or, or doing behaviors that don't seem true to you. Um, Can you give us some examples of that for yourself or someone you know? Well, I think that definitely eating for sure was, was something that I turned to probably, probably drinking sometimes, not not a ton. Um, but I think it is fairly common. Um, I know that there's um some individuals who go the route of like prescription medication. Um that's never been anything that I um, found solace in or comfort, but I think you just start looking for ways to check out, ways to um, get help. Because there, is, there really isn't a way of explaining this that really other people can understand. Um, so all of those pieces together, you don't want your kids hurt. You don't want them alone with, with this person. Um, and you have this undercurrent of understanding that they are frightened of what the predator is capable of. Mm. That remains a big mystery in, in terms of like, if I leave this person, I don't know what they'll do. To the kids, to me, to themselves. Um, I know that that um, in my case, there were threats of of self harm from the predator. I mean, to this day, there's still things happening in my relationship with my predator where there's still attempts to control and attempts to undermine. And so, do you think it's because they they don't know any other way? Yeah, yeah. I I don't think that they have a. I don't think they have a different way of navigating the
1: world. Yeah. It's so insidious to even threaten self-harm as a means to get what you want. Like, yeah. Because there's people out there, you know, that really do need help in those areas. And it's, oh, and I've heard of stories where people are like, well, if you leave me, this is what I'm going to do. And they, and people do stay because of that. And I feel like it's the ultimate, in essence, slavery. Because you're sacrificing yourself to stay with somebody because you're fearful of what they're going to do themselves. I think that's really painful.
2: That reminds me of another complexity that happens, which is by the time that you get to the point where you realize that you need to get out, um, there can be a trauma response. You know, the trauma responses people are most familiar with are fight, flight, and freeze. But we've talked on our podcast before about the one called fawn or please and appease. Um, another approach, another concept is something called collapse and submit. Mm. So I think oh, there... Oh, yeah, one hits me. Yeah. So, so I think that there's actually, in addition to all those complexities, there is a trauma response that's not uncommon for prey in particular to go into and the response to trauma if not to fight or flee um it is to collapse and submit and so um that is another just another complexity so why don't we leave Jill I mean yeah. I mean tell us about like A, your experience but I'd love to hear even your thoughts on some of these
0: complexities yeah. Well uh, so I've been jotting down some notes the first thing I wrote down was that Um, the prey have no power to leave. It it, it takes effort.
1: Yeah, I think you need to speak into that a bit more. Because somebody listening can go, "Uh, you're a grown adult. Of course you can can get into your car and you can
0: leave. Yeah, but but you actually don't. Because this person has been controlling uh, almost every move that you've made. And for me, my predator would um, consistently threaten to leave me. and because of of the way I was raised, um it it would be so devastating to my parents uh, to have a child who was divorced. I, I don't think I could have dishonored my parents any more than by by being a divorced person. I would be such a disappointment.
1: Mm-hmm. Well, I think there's such gaslighting, too, in the sense of I'm going to leave you. So what that says in your mind is, I must be doing something wrong. Oh, and yeah. they want you to think that. Yeah, you know, and that's a little bit. I don't know if your predator uh, PJ did the same thing. Did they do the same thing? Threaten to leave?
2: You know, I think this is a pervasive pattern with with um, with this situation with predators because. They A lot of times, I would say most times, they will rush in and when they sense that there's a lot of uh, damage to their prey, they will often rush in and and run to leave. So uh, even if you walk out on them, a lot of times they'll be the first one to apply for the divorce. Or if you start try to call them out on something and they can't get out of it, they will just disappear for a few days and just mm-hmm. withdraw.
1: I'm the ab- I'm the victim. I'm the abused. Right. Uh, I'm right, gonna
2: leave first. Right.
0: Like my my predator did leave me, but then told people, like PGA included, that I actually left them.
2: Yeah. Abs- well, and 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 mine did the same thing. Yeah. Um, did the same thing. I had set a boundary. And a boundary that was like either you agree to get help and 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 actually like pay up front for six months worth of therapeutic intervention, or um, this is a day that we will separate. And then you know a couple of weeks later, just never he he never came home. And then the same thing later. Just all always the the phrase was I I just want I just
1: want my my family back. I just want my family back. And that you left, right? right. You left them rather and, and, than them leaving you. Right after the your discussion.
2: Well, the only reason they left me was because I kept threatening them. Um, that's what that was the story. But what I had threatened was there was no threat that it was either you do this. Or I have to separate because the abuse can't continue. That's literally the, that was literally the sentence. You either agree to get therapeutic help and prepay for six months so that there's some investment there, or we have to separate and we'll do it when the um, kids are out of school. We'll do it at a, a time that we have time to
1: think about it and plan for it. So there's no like... You weren't always threatening every weekend. No. I I only say this because in my situation with my mother, in her marriage, that was threatened a lot. She would threaten to
0: leave? Him.
1: Him, yeah. Yeah, not, not me, but it was just always. And it was like, it was an empty threat. I knew it was an empty threat, oh, but it was constant because he was so difficult. And and I, I'm sure there's a lot of stuff that he wasn't great at, but it was just, it's fascinating for me to hear, you know, how it was used in your situation, Jill, and or even in PJ, you know, the same sort of dialogue is being said, well, I'm just going to leave you. I'm going to leave you. I'm going to leave you. And, and yet they're the persecutor well because that like i mean that's part of the this kind of like this this flip right like
2: they turn the predator into the victim that's part of that pvr which we should probably be doing a whole a whole a whole podcast on um because the technique is so profound but i but i think healthy people in relationships when your partner is upset with you to the point where they want to withdraw or leave the relationship you take it really seriously and you and you want to make things better. And so I think when the predator does this behavior, it really does trigger you as a, as a healthy person to go, I must have done something wrong. I must, I, you know, they, they must be so upset with me that they're pulling away. Well, uh, what what is the work I can do? It's sort of a natural, a natural built-in mechanism for for reconnecting or wanting to bridge. The only problem is it's like it weaponizes. The predator knows how to weaponize these natural instincts.
0: That's right. Another thing I was thinking is that prey, because prey are strong, they are often very optimistic. Mm, And I would look for any ray of hope anywhere. Yeah. Any, like even, I don't know, something as small as... As them acknowledging my presence. Okay, yeah. there we go. So if I couple my my bent towards optimism, if I if I couple that with my determination that that I will not lose, I will not bring shame up upon my family, I will prove to the people around me that that um I did not make a mistake in marrying this person. And you know, this will succeed. So it's again coming back to what I said at the beginning. For me, it's my personality, I guess, coupled with fear, which seems weird.
1: Mm. No, why? It doesn't, doesn't, why? Yeah. Why does it feel weird or seems
2: weird?
0: Because my because my personality is so strong. How in the world could my very strong personality be so manipulated by fear?
2: Well, I think that's where when when you take natural strength and you and you flip it around to weaponize it. That what is really strong about your personality becomes equally strong in terms of it's, it kind of getting turned around on you. Because I think that same thing about myself in terms of, you know, um, I am very hardworking, very bright individual capable of of um, doing a lot of different things that I set my mind to doing. And as, as you are, Jill, um, and yet here you are in this relationship where you're spinning your wheels, but that strength is put toward not looking after your own needs, not looking after your own self, uh, but it's put toward making things work. You know, like, think about all of the techniques I
1: tried or the books I read or the, you know, mm. the amount you prayed. Pray, 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 you pray, 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 pray. Do you think that they sensed the strength in you And resented it and tried their darndest, maybe without even knowing, to try to diminish it, to dull it, to, yeah. To, yeah. It, it's just, can you speak into that?
0: Well, I remember one time my, <laughs> we were in IHOP and, and um, my predator, he was trying to, he was trying to serve me with some papers and suggest some things that, and I just, I wasn't, I wasn't having it. And, and he just said to me, I hate you. Ugh. And I just sat there and I'm like, yeah, you can't break me. So he it was ha- a good it, thing, but it, he hated it. He hated it. Yeah. At the end of the day.
2: And I, when you first asked that question, I thought, I thought, oh, I don't, don't think that my, my predator resented it. But I do think that, uh, he plugged into it and used it for his own gain. Mm -hmm. And then I think at some times in some areas was jealous of it. I could, I would say that that's very true. And I think, yeah. So, so where he was outside watching. Yeah. Where he went, wherever he was jealous of it would certainly try to erode my confidence in it. And then he would use what he learned from me and 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 then use it for his own gain right. while mm. chastising me. So, so for example, when I'm um, in a social gathering, I tend to want to ask people questions. And so what I saw him do was he would be very angry because I wouldn't shine a spotlight on him. And so he, in, in that way, his hurt and his anger would be like, you know, you, 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 you spotlight everybody except me. So then I started to spotlight him, but then any time the spotlight went off him, I would get pinched and kicked, and um, and be told things like, um, "You don't understand my culture."
1: Pinched my and kicked. What do you mean by that? Like,
2: like afterwards. So, so socially, you know, while while oh. I'm sitting at dinner Ooh. or a party or something like that literally, he'd be pinching me and kicking me under the table because I asked somebody a question. Um, like, I would say, hey, how did you two get together? Tell me about the story. And they might be a couple who'd been married 30 years. When do they get to tell the story of, of their mm-hmm. love mm-hmm. for each other? And I love that because it reignites, mm-hmm. like, the, their memories of things being fun. And, you know, and it's usually a great story behind it. And so um, so there would just be this pinching, 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 pinching Um And he would like he would say things like, you know, you monopolize the conversation. And I would say, like, I literally probably spoke for about one minute out of the six hours (laughs) we were there because I just asked questions Um, and and people really were engaged. But then I would notice after a number of years, I would I started just to shut down because it wasn't fun to get pinched and poked and then I would get berated the whole way to the party or the gathering and the whole way home. What I did well, what I didn't do well, how I how I embarrassed him or not to embarrass him or how. What, the, what
0: did he want you to do?
2: What, uh, shine a spotlight on him. Mm-hmm. And then not monopolize conversation. Not not ask people so many questions. Let them talk about what they want to talk. But usually what that meant was he wanted to talk about what he was an expert in. Right, And I could see that people would get, it was very interesting actually. So there'd be some really great interest, but then there was like this inability to understand when that interest was interest and like, okay, let's go on to another subject. But then I would notice that he would pick up some of the behaviors I would do because people wanted to have me at the gatherings. And so then he would start to do those behaviors and then I would just be more and more quiet because I didn't want to get berated. I didn't want to get pinched. I didn't want to get kicked. So I just became very good at listening and making sure to highlight any questions I asked to the predator, or so to make the conversation come around to an area that my predator would be an expert in so that he could shine, so he could speak. And so, so anyway, so they, these are some of the complexities, but yeah, yeah it just reminded yeah, it's, me. It's of, just
1: well, I do think that they're threatened by strength. Yeah, itself. but
2: they're also attracted to strength.
1: Well, yeah, and that's what makes it so complex. Yeah, yeah and, <laughs> and plug into it.
0: Yeah. Amber, what's the first thing that comes to mind for you? Because you haven't talked much. Do you feel like like what we're talking about today is applicable in um, parent-prey
1: relationships. relationships? Yeah. Um, Well, it's complex, and I think we should go back to the initial question, which is when people from the outside who aren't in such a situation look and they go, well, why don't you just leave? I had a therapist, I think I've blogged about it, who just said, why don't you just not speak to your mother? And there are very good times where people actually should not talk to a parent, and I did consider it, and there have been times where I have hung up the phone in my 20s and went, I'm not talking to this person for a while. The redeeming thing about my mother is she would come back and she does, like we've talked about before, she's on a spectrum, a spectrum of this. And so it's not so cut and dry because I have a small family. I don't want to kill a relationship, but not even kill. I, I think they kill the relationship. It's more of like save myself and so cut off that relationship in or but i i worry to cut off the family that i have and that is huge for me i don't have much of a family so it would be such and and i'm sure there's people out there who are listening going i've had to cut off my mother which means i have to cut off my entire family i am blessed that the rest of my family are not predatory to me so to the rest of my family i am loved i am adored I have fun with I have not I've I've heard of situations where the mother is one way to one child and then the rest of the kids are as well and so that child is always the scapegoat for the whole family and I'm like I can't even imagine that that is not my situation so I do have backup and My parent was my only parent for a lot of years. So it is complex because we've had guests here who have had to cut off family members. And I'm like, yeah, for good reason. But they also have another parent they can rely on and be in relationship with. And I think that's what it comes down to. Like my dad is my stepdad. You know, if I had my birth father, you know, it, it might make a difference. However, when I am with my mother, I do have to set a lot of boundaries. And I think that in a way is a form of disconnect Mm -hmm. because there are certain things I will not share with her. There are certain things, and I've actually had to say to her, I don't want to talk about it. I don't, I don't want to talk about, it. and she used to weaponize that against me. Well, you don't tell me, so you, there must be something wrong with you because, you know, children will tell their mothers about their love life or about their work life. And, and for years that worked on me because I would be like, oh, you're right. Oh, there's something wrong with me. It's me. It's me. It's, yeah. me, it's me. It's me again. And all of a sudden it dawned, on me like, oh, that's a technique. Right. That's what they're doing. They're, they're techniquing me with this of putting it on me that it's my problem. And for whatever reason I go, oh, I'm normal. I really am. And let me tell you my heart. And then they squash it. There is grief around that. You should be able to say to your mother, hey, I'm going on a date. This is really fun. But I know that that's loaded for them and for me. And there's a lot of pain. She might be really good with it too, and I have to, in some way, honor that. That maybe she's healed or she's grown, but I'm not at that point, point. Mm-hmm. and that's okay. That's where I am. So, in the in a way, my boundaries are a way of disconnecting. Yeah. Very complex. So, way. so
2: you're held in there by a. She's not like um, the end of the spectrum. Predator, yeah, and that you can have some enjoyable moments or times with mm-hmm. her, and then it, and then it sounds like also you're able to say you, it's like she's the gatekeeper, and if you don't have some kind of um, relationship with her at some level, it, it would cut you off from from
1: the other family members. I don't know if it would completely. I think I'm old enough now that I think when when my sibling was younger, yes. That definitely would have. Now, I don't think it would, but I think it would It would separate me from any sense of family. Yeah, you it know? would certainly make it difficult. It would make Christmas difficult. It would make all the holidays difficult. And, you know. More difficult than not,
2: than like right now you can sort of, is the word handle. You found that way of having strong boundaries and withdrawing when you need to and speaking your truth when you need to so that you can navigate those moments with
1: her in a way that's better than not having any relationship at all. Yeah, I think that it's the payoff is there. I just have to navigate it and you know, you know, make my time there maybe not as long as, you know, right. I'm not going to spend months there, but generally uh yeah, I think the payoff is there that I enjoy most of my interaction with my family because I've had to set boundaries. And and I think the big part, I think, of those people who have a family where there's one person that's scapegoated, I think that is so hard and tragic. And to me, I'm like, you do have to start from zero. You need to create your own family or find friends who are like family. And that's sad. Like that is so sad, and, but it. I honor those people who are listening, and that is your experience. Like how brave and how strong and how powerful are you? And and for
2: those people who are out there in that situation, um, I call you the grafted branches, uh, because there are times where you have to. You get you got not because you wanted to leave your your plant or your tree of origin, but because you kind of. In order to keep your life, you had to rip off or be ripped off from your tree. So to be able to be grafted on to another tree that gives life, um, uh, whether that's friends or a partner's family or when your friends become your family, when your maybe extended family becomes more of a, a more intimate family those are grafted branches. Mm-hmm. And I think there's something so beautiful. Those are people who don't have to have you as a grafted branch, but they do. And there is something I think uniquely beautiful and special about that relationship that you can't get with your own family. So there, there is beauty out there, but it does definitely take an awareness of your own grief around losing the original tree that you were part of, as well as an opening to being part of something else.
0: Just thinking about takeaways, what's one thing that we can give people Put in our pack a little smidgen of knowledge around
1: and these are people from watching from a distance, right? Yeah. Watching somebody from a distance. why don't you just leave? Why don't you just leave?
0: So, like my first gut reaction is is they don't have they don't feel like they have the power to leave.
1: Hmm. So if I'm watching it, I go, hey, that person doesn't feel like they are strong enough to leave mm-hmm. yet and And I would say they probably don't have a language for
2: what's happened to them, to talk to themselves about what's really going on or to be able to communicate that to others to get the support that they need. What about you, Amber?
1: I think if you're observing it, realize it's a little more complicated than just leave. Uh, It may need to be a situation like for myself, I haven't completely cut them off. Or it might be in the situation of my two co-hosts here, where you have to be in relationship with this person because there are children involved. So it's not as con- it's not as easy as just leaving. And being aware of that, I think, will give you a sense of empathy. And maybe you can also support the person that you're observing in this situation in a way that's a little more nuanced. Absolutely. Uh, before we wrap up here, um,
2: I want to point out to people listening because we have talked so much in this um, episode about the complexities and the difficulties and the overwhelming challenges that are part of this scenario. And at the same time, I also want to say there are many, many times where your life is at stake in this situation. And that may not be like a, like a, somebody has a gun to your head type of situation, but it may certainly be That living in this situation, you are at risk for all kinds of mental health conditions, Mm -hmm. physical health conditions, um, addiction behaviors, all of those things you risk by staying in this relationship. Mm -hmm. And so as much as it's painful and as much as it's difficult, I find it really interesting that I have yet to hear from the person who is able to get out of this type of relationship who hasn't been thankful. Um, even with all the complexities, and that doesn't mean you should or shouldn't. But I just don't want anybody hearing all the complexities to say, "Yeah, wow, that sounds so complex. Um, I should just advise my my friend <laughs> to, to stick it out." Are you thankful? <laughs> are you thankful? Well, PJ? I am beyond thankful because I honestly, I've got my life back. How I, I didn't. I don't think you realize how much you lose your life. Mm-hmm how much it costs you i mean just honestly um gabor mate talks about on average people lose 20 years two decades of their life when you're under a stressful unpleasant um, long-term relationship with this level of pain how about you
1: jill do you feel thankful
0: I, i feel so thankful for me
1: I love that. Yeah. For, I'm thankful
0: for me. For me. And I'm sad that I could not provide the life for my kids that I so desperately wanted. Yeah. Yeah. But but that's another discussion for another day. But I, I just, I want to say, PJ, you've written a great blog article. I'll make sure that the blog comes out when this comes out about um, what if I don't leave? What is the cost? Right. Do you remember writing that? It's right. right. yeah. <laughs> waiting in the I wind.
2: I was looking was at you like, great. what you talking there? Yeah. But yes, yeah. I, yeah. now yeah. I remember.
0: Yeah, it's a perfect fit.
2: Well, thank you guys so much for hanging out and listening today. Um, We hope this was able to provide you a little bit of an understanding why it isn't so simple and some of the complexities involved in leaving an emotionally abusive relationship. We want to encourage you to continue to learn more, both with our podcast and our other resources out there. So thank you again for tuning in. Take
1: care make sure to check out our episode on creating a language for emotional abuse to learn more about how we can all start talking about the impacts of this kind of behavior. Take care.